Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined from lovely Austin, Texas, by Texas recruiting analyst Nick Kruger. Nick, how's it going? Boy, I mean, I, you know, I know a lot of people are starting to starting to freak out about hurricanes in this place or that, but lovely Austin, Texas, is not how I would describe it over here as of late. Yeah, well, uh, we thoughts are, and prayers go out to the hurricane. <laughs> people have to deal with that, but holy cow, it's been brutal yeah, here. Yeah, we got people evacuating. Uh, definitely uh, messing with the college football schedule, but obviously safety is a priority. And uh, you know, evidently, my house is just open to whoever wants to come to stay here. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, hit me up on Twitter if you want to come stay at my house. Uh, if we have any room left, I'll let you know. I'll be breaking out the cots and everything. So uh, we want to remind everybody, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Tell a friend. We actually lost a review on iTunes. We're down now, down to 95. And uh, we're down a podcast host as well. <laughs> it's just me and Nick again this week. But Guess what? Got to give the people what they want, uh, regardless of uh, how things shake out. So uh, let's jump right into it, Nick. It was, uh, it was a week uh, full of uh, all types of storylines. Of course, we're going to do our picks first. Last week, you went four and one. Wow. Uh, I told you, you I had a good feeling. I told you I did. Of course, you didn't. Did you follow your own advice, though, uh, off the air? I don't think so. No, I I did for the most part. Well, you know, as as I stated prior, uh, you know, thinking about some of the NFL games uh, I was looking at this past weekend, I, I was on point with those as well. But that's another podcast, I guess. All right. Uh, I went three and two. Uh, Rob did not enter his picks on the sheet, and uh, I don't think he's going to be doing it this week based on <laughs> some <laughs> off-air conversations. <laughs> so, uh, so you're you're stuck with me and Nick. So, uh, you know, uh, Nick is the new sharp uh, on the show. So let's <laughs> let's jump right into the picks. We've got LSU at Auburn. Boy, the SEC schedule kicking off in high gear very early here, week three. LSU a ten point underdog headed into Auburn, of course. You remember last year, Auburn was up big in that game, and they ended up blowing it in the second half. Uh, it was kind of a crazy, a crazy game. I think there was a big punt return in that game as well that kind of swung the momentum. This is a tough one to pick. I think a lot of people like Auburn. Obviously, that's a, a super high line. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to take LSU just because I think they might be able to keep it close. I don't think they're going to be able to score with Auburn, but I do think their defense – will kind of uh, do just enough to keep it uh, within that 10-point margin. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I I was a little busy busy this past weekend relative to uh, how, how it went for me on week one, so I didn't I didn't get a chance to really dig into uh, what, what went on with, with LSU or Auburn, but I think just in general, this is going to be, you know, kind of a kind of a slobber knocker type game, right? Is, is, <laughs> you were going to say that. I knew it. I almost <laughs> said it for you. <laughs> is this is this a is this a take the under bet? I think so. I mean, I haven't looked at the old uh, the odds or this the, the actual number, but it, it seems to me like you know if you if you think this one is LSU is going to be close, it's probably going to be under because I I just can't imagine they're going to put up you know I can't imagine LSU scoring a, a ton of points unless their defense scores touchdowns, kind of like they did against. Uh, Miami in week one I just I just don't see it I, I think I think it's going to be and, and we saw you know I watched Auburn play live week one and I mean they struggled to score touchdowns as well so yeah, yeah that's what that's what I think that I'm trying to find the I'm, I'm struggling as I as I rifle through the app the the over under opened at 47 
Uh, 55% of people have bet the under, and it's down to 44 and a half. So yeah. it's already gone down two and a half points. So that tells yeah. you all I need to know. Uh, all right, so we both like LSU to cover there, but probably I still Auburn. I still might take the under. I mean, could you just see that game going like 20, 21 to 17 or something? What does that yeah. mean? Yeah, like I could see it being 21 to 13 or yeah. I mean, it could be a it could be a real. I guess that would be right on the number there of uh, 44. So uh, next up, Boise State at Oklahoma State. This is an interesting matchup. I mean, uh, Boise used to love to play these games, and then it came for a while where nobody wanted to schedule them, and I don't blame anybody as I've watched them beat uh, you know several Power 5 teams over the years. They just went on the road to Troy, I think it was last week, two weeks ago, in a game that I expected them to struggle with that long trip going down to Alabama, playing in the heat. And they blew them out. And so guess what? There are two and a half point underdogs. I like the old Broncos to win outright. I would take the money line in that game next. So I'm going to take uh, Boise to cover and win. Um, You know, I have had a couple of Oklahoma State games on the DVR that I haven't had a chance to watch yet because they've been playing, you know, I guess a relatively soft schedule to start the season. But I have a feeling that, you know, this is this is a situation for Oklahoma State where not a lot of people expected much of them this year. They lost a lot of the guys uh, that, you know, were kind of synonymous with the high-powered offense. And here they are coming out, not missing a beat to start the season, albeit against, you know, uh, kind of lesser-known competition. Um, but I think Oklahoma State has a chance to mix things up this season with kind of like a in, – in kind of a sneaky reset year. And – I think since it's at home, I will take Oklahoma State here to cover, and that, wow. that'll be my that'll be my first uh, that'll be my first real gamble on a you know one of my area conference teams here this season. <laughs> yeah, that is a that's a good one. You would know better than me. They've got that uh, fifth year senior walk on quarterback starting over a uh, friend of the show, Spencer. <laughs> so um, it'll be interesting to watch uh, how that shakes out. Now this one, this one, Ohio State at TCU, which at being, uh, you know, I guess uh, general term, it's I think they're playing it in uh, Jerry World, correct? Uh, yeah. And uh, so to consider yourself horned, this is not a true home game. <laughs> We expect TCU to knuckle up, which is the uh, expression, <laughs> expression they're playing this year. Ohio State's a 13.5-point favorite, and guess what? That's a big number, but uh, I expect the crowd to be probably 50-50, and I expect Ohio State to uh, blow the doors off of them. I'm taking that huge number. I'm taking the Buckeyes to go down there and uh, beat them down situation. That's my pick. So here's uh, here's here's something that you and me didn't actually even talk about last week, even though we've spent a lot of time talking about it. So you said two weeks ago, Gary Patterson is a follower of you on Twitter, uh, only for me to find out after you mentioned that I go to check it myself. And lo and behold, uh, he actually has blocked me, <laughs> which is uh, pretty fantastic, uh, fantastic news for me, considering, you know, the my involvement with head coaches in general relative to yours. But here's here's the deal. So as far as we could tell, this all stems back to a prior evaluation of Sean Robinson, who's now the starting quarterback of um, your TCU Horned Frogs, as it turns out. And uh, last week against SMU, even though uh, TCU ended up winning that game in pretty convincing fashion to the surprise of nobody, Sean Robinson's still kind of underwhelming in terms of his, his general stat line. And uh, given the fact that there's some apparently bad blood between me and TCU at this point, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to 
uh, be vindictive and take Ohio State. And I would take a minus anything in this game uh, just because I have to uh, double down on my previous evaluation of of uh, Sean Robinson, and and we're just gonna we're just gonna let it ride. And I think this is I think this is gonna be a big wake up call for uh, my my old my old enemy, as it turns out, GP. <laughs> you told us that uh, he was he was uh, very nice to you when you saw him in person, though at Big Twelve Media Days, correct? Well, right, yeah. They, that's that's uh, the 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 observation that I had is that he I, th- I think he blocked me before he actually knew who I was, and now I'm sure and I'm sure he doesn't listen to this podcast either. And if I saw him walking down the street tomorrow, he'd be very pleasant, and me and him could have a great conversation. So long as I, yeah, I'm not even sure if I even introduced myself at, as as my own self that he would recognize who I am. So <laughs> I don't think it's a, I don't think it's really a big deal, but it's an opportunity for me to, you know, make myself seem important and create some drama here. Yeah. And, uh, I might, I might mistake him for our old cameraman, uh, Corey, <laughs> if I saw him walking on the street. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was talking to some people when I was down in uh, Shreveport this weekend, evidently he went on some type of blocking spree, uh, and you might have been included in that. And guess, my guess would be he probably didn't do it at all. It would be somebody who was running his account. Just if well, so so the so the added the added caveat to all this too is if you if anybody ever manages to get their hands on a TCU media guide, you'll notice that uh, in every player bio, no no rivals ranking is referenced for any player. Uh, coming out of their high school days. Wow, boy, this right. is a this is a spicy beef. That's right. Uh, yeah, and and even and and trust me, I mean, I am not unfavorable to TCU prospects. You know, you can go back and and do the research. Uh, rivals relative to other companies. Uh, there's no there's no beef in terms of uh, underranking players or anything like that. So. You know, just I must have just caught him on a bad day at the wrong time or something. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you. Uh, we're way off. The, we're way off track. But that uh, defensive end I saw play on Saturday for uh, that's going to TCU. What is his name? No. Uh, Colt Ellison. Yeah, boy, he was dom- He dominated that game. So big shout to uh, the Horn Frogs. We st- we still love you. Uh, moving on, USC. This one is not a ranked matchup, but USC at Texas. Uh, the Trojans, three-and-a-half-point underdogs. So basically, Texas getting the three points for the home field advantage. This one, Texas probably should have won last year, if you remember. I think there might have been a missed extra point or missed field goal late in the game. That was at USC. And uh, uh, guess what? I'm going to think this one is super close, and I'm going to take USC just because they're getting the points, but I think Texas might win. I think it could be a one-point one game. That line's kind of tricky. I think at, at three points, maybe a last-second field goal. So, uh, so at three and a half, I'm going to take USC to cover, but I think I might take Texas to win the game. What do you think, Nick? Well, I think, uh, I think I'm also going to take USC to cover. I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I really don't have a great feeling quite yet. Uh, you know, for as far as far as Texas taking the steps forward that I think a lot of people probably hope they would, you know, just watching their game uh, this past week against against Tulsa, I think they were kind of, you know, even though Tulsa came back a little bit at the end, I mean, I think they were kind of bailed out too um, earlier in that game by by some of the the misplays of or the misthrows rather of of the Tulsa quarterback and uh, you know, JT Daniels, he, even though even though he didn't really have a big productive week last week, I think it's a it's a whole different beast and it's going to be a different scenario for him. And I I just don't think Texas is quite there yet uh, with what they're trying to do up front defensively and and uh, offensively. They're still 
stuck in the mud at some point. So, so I, I think USC is at least going to cover. Okay. And last but not least, Washington, uh, who uh, I believe Nick picked to make the college football playoff despite them losing week one. (laughs) (laughs) They are six and a half point favorites traveling to Utah at elevation. Utah struggled a little bit. They are two and oh. Uh, they were one of my picks uh, during the over-under, one of my locks in terms of I think their number was seven and a half. This is a big game for them, especially considering that USC's already lost a conference game. I think Utah would like to get on the right track and try to be in that mix for the Pac-12 South. And guess what? These games are tricky at Utah. I've seen it since they've joined the Pac-12. Teams have a hard time going there and playing. I don't know, like I said, if it's the elevation, especially Washington. They're basically at... Uh, at zero sea level right there in Seattle, I believe. So guess what? I'm taking the Utes. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the game, but six and a half is a lot of points. They're the home team. they got a great atmosphere there. So uh, Utah it is for me. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, you know, we and we just heard, uh, you know, Kyle Whittington call Utah a very, what did he say, a very mediocre football team or something right now. And uh, But I think if you're Utah, you know, you take a, you take a look at uh, Washington, who was actually Woody's playoff pick uh, before the season, if I recall correctly. Kind of kind of have a tough one out of the gates, and, and Utah has an opportunity with, with uh, you know, some blood in the water and them hosting them at, you know, I think that they can at least, you know, keep it interesting at elevation like you talked about, all the same points that you talked about. So I think they cover the six and a half. All right. So those are our picks. Nick and I disagree. Uh, you, you pick, wait, excuse me. Only you on pick, Oklahoma State. You pick Boise and I pick yeah, Oklahoma okay. State. Yeah, you're right. Only on Oklahoma State. Um, so, so LSU, we like LSU, Ohio State, USC, and Utah, and we disagree on one, which if history says – Go with Nick and take Oklahoma State because I am very bad at picking these games off the top of my head. (laughs) All right, let's jump into it. We had a crazy atmosphere. We talked about it on the Sunday show with uh, Chris Clark as we continue a rotating cast of characters uh, this weekend. I believe Ben Wolk and Woke. from uh, our Auburn site will be on to discuss games with me. If you want to hear anything specific, you want have any feedback for us, uh, please let us know. Either tweet at me, leave a review on iTunes, uh, and let me know as we try to continue to tweak the format of the show. So, Nick, I think you put this story on here saying uh, Houston won't allow Texas Tech to wear white to its own whiteout game. Is that is that true? Right. Yeah. There's a, I, you know, forgive me for not nailing the name of this game. I think it's like the cotton appreciation game or something like that. And uh, traditionally, I believe, I believe the home team in that game is wearing white. Uh, and in this year, uh, I, I think it's a neutral site game. Texas Tech is the, is the home team uh, and implored their fans to wear white. And then Houston, uh, they, but the home team is only allowed to wear white given permission from the visiting team in that game to which Houston is not allowing them uh, to wear white to their own game where they've uh, asked their fans to wear white for the whiteout. So kind of a topsy-turvy scenario. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, I guess it's just kind of, uh, you know, obviously a pretty shallow topic, but but it's pr- a pretty funny shot across the bow for Houston uh, to do that to Texas Tech. And, and then on top of that, you know, may, maybe you have a opinion just on how effective uh, these sorts of things are in terms of the fan experience and what that means for the game. Just just coming, <laughs> showing up with the whiteout and acting crazy. I don't know if you know Texas Tech scored seventy seven points last week in a win over Lamar. So you know the fans <laughs> are going to be rabid, and they're probably going to be bummed out that they can't you know they can't be wearing the same color as their team, huh? 
Well, I, th- I don't think they'll care. Whiteouts are cool, especially, you know, Penn State is obviously the king of it. I famously got uh, in a lot of trouble in college when UCF wanted to do a gold rush. And uh, the student uh, government was already decided to hand out black shirts. And uh, then I realized the whole gold, gold rush thing was uh, was a viral campaign started by a T-shirt company uh, who was trying to sell gold shirts. And I blew the lid on the whole operation. Nick, wow. People were not happy with me. Those were those were back in your days when you were an actual journalist. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, well, and being an actual, I I had someone accuse me of sight. You know, they said they saw me siphoning gas out of cars in the parking lot. That's how much of a combustion. <laughs> well, but I also believe that was true, given how stingy you were back in <laughs> a certain period of your life. <laughs> yeah, as uh, Nick would tell you, the first time uh, him and I met, I believe it was uh, we were staying at a hotel together, and he ran into me in the uh, breakfast area, and I had my stuff in my pockets full of uh, peanut butter packets and whatnot. Right, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah, yeah yeah and guess what guess who still takes toilet paper and tissues out of the old uh, hotel bathroom you know <laughs> gotta get your money's worth yeah exactly <laughs> that's what we call perks uh so anyway uh yeah i think it is cool though i mean i think it's obviously this is some form of gamesmanship by houston but it's lame just let them wear the white jerseys i mean the the issue is i think uh, we've seen this over the years at these early season games is the the team that uh, doesn't want to wear a dark color because of the heat. We saw uh, your Jacksonville Jaguars do this, right? Because in the NFL, the home team gets to pick, correct? Right, yeah. So they'll pick to wear the white games where it's a hot day and make the opposing team wear uh, – wear the old darker color so they're sweating to the oldies and so i think that's the that that might be why houston uh puts up a fit but guess what they have a uh, heisman trophy front runner ed oliver right so <laughs> they should they shouldn't be worried about all that boy the 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 discussion too that we had about you know taking i mean here's here's the unfortunate news of the whole situation i mean houston's having a great start to the season don't get me wrong and i'm sure ed oliver is too if you were to ask any you know play-by-play broadcaster in any game that they've uh, that they've covered, but you know, so I mean, here's here's the facts right now. I'm looking up his stats: eight solo tackles, ten assists, four tackles for loss, which is good, but zero sacks uh, with one pass defensed. So I, you know, I don't know if those are Heisman numbers. Um, I'm not sure. Well, not, not when sure you what play it. Rice, you've got to you've got to uh, you've got to you know gather some stats in those games like that. I mean, we're looking at if you go back and look at Andamakan Sue, which I think would be the closest we've ever seen. Uh, a guy uh, to winning the Heisman at his position. He had uh, 20 and a half tackles for loss, 12 sacks at interception and uh, 85 total tackles his senior year in 09, which if you remember, he was a dominant force. So uh, the year before that, he scored two touchdowns. How about that? Uh, <laughs> in his junior year. So yeah. I think, I think those are the numbers you're probably going to have to get close to. Although, you know, the fake news media has already decided that uh, that he's in the mix. As like I said, num- to, to think he's number two for the Heisman after two weeks is insane. He has not, like you said, he, he has not put up the type of numbers to do that. And I was ranting and raving on it. Maybe one of the things that irritated Rob uh, before we started recording, I guess. But uh, anyway, all right, moving on. Uh, Florida State. This was one uh, would be great to have Rob here to talk about. <laughs> 
Um, they uh, struggled to beat Samford uh, FCS program the other night. They had to come back, and actually, Samford was driving, and I believe they were into Florida State territory down three in the fourth quarter before they got a pick six to seal the game. Uh, they also had the debut of this uh, turnover backpack, which uh, people, uh, Bud Elliott specifically, was saying, it's not a turnover backpack, it's about securing the bag, which we know is an expression that uh, the kids use. I wrote about it in my uh, Sunday column. But guess what? It doesn't matter what it's supposed to be. All it matters is people are laughing at it. You know, once again, it's a perception thing. And the question is, is Taggart in over his head? That seems to be the early narrative uh, that people are talking about. And you know what? I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's in over his head. I'm a little concerned with the coaching staff he's assembled there. And I think no matter what happens this year, I mean, you know, unless they go 10 and 2, which, which would seem unlikely at this point, I think you might end up seeing some changes there. He doesn't, of course, have a true offensive coordinator. They brought in Walt Bell from Maryland, who looks like, He's like 25. I don't know how old he actually is, but he, he looks super young. But, of course, uh, uh, Willie really calls all the plays himself. I don't know, Nick. I mean, uh, you're going to have to vamp for a minute here as I uh, need to uh, take care of some business for like 60 seconds. But, you, you you know, obviously your mom, a big Florida State fan, what have you seen? Uh, I know you didn't watch that game, but what, what's your perception? What do you think uh, the, the Florida State fans are thinking so far? Well, I mean, I agree with you in the sense that I think it's a little premature to say that Willie Taggart is uh, over his head because, you know, I mean, he has the reputation. I mean, he already has the experience of coaching at a big time uh, football program in Oregon. But I think one of the problems that uh, gets Willie into trouble specifically is the fact that, uh, you know, he he comes in with an idea about the system that he wants to run in this case. And a little bit uh, as what happened with Oregon, as we saw, you know, kind of a a little bit of a failure to make adjustments given the personnel that he was left with after some injuries. Uh, and you're just, you know, and you're forcing a system on players, uh, you know, that you didn't, that you didn't necessarily hand select. And that's kind of what he's going through right now. And that was, you know, that was certainly the issue uh, in week one. And, you know, give, given the shell shock factor with what's going on at Samford, I think, you know, the, the torches and pitchforks are ready, but bottom line is, you know, he didn't lose the game to Samford. And, and so there's still, there's still very much a, a, uh, situation record-wise for them to to right the ship and uh, gather back the goodwill of the fans going forward. But you know, the bottom line is, uh, and the things that the things that fans lose perception about very quickly in, in any sport is the reason that you have a new coach to begin with is because your team wasn't good enough uh, the season before and the and the coach had to leave. So there's always going to be an inherent amount of growing pains. I mean, as far as the turnover backpack or securing the bag is concerned, I mean, you know, that's. The, the whole the whole concept of props for uh, <laughs> for the sideline to encourage um, you know big plays from from players is is kind of jump the shark I think at this point because every team has some kind of version of that um, you know whether it's leashes or backpacks or chains or you know, I remember la- I think I remember last year Baylor had like a little tykes uh, basketball hoop that you know the person that would make a big play would come over to the sideline and do like a do like a dunk on the little tykes basket um you know so all that all that gimmicky stuff is you know and it comes along with college football because you know college football is supposed to be fun and a little bit more uh lighthearted and things like that but i mean it, you know when you've got everybody copycatting each other just with just with a prop for one reason or the next it kind of kind of gets stale in a hurry at this point i think well i know people are met you know people i saw 
I saw uh, Rob was talking about Boise State has like a turnover throne, which I actually kind of liked where the player gets to go sit on it, you know, which I, I, I kind of liked it, but he was making fun of it. Um, I think uh, the throne man- should have a, it should be like a stationary bike so they can at least keep the, the blood flow going <laughs> with them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I know Memphis had a Ric Flair themed like cape type situation. Ah, which- see, that's not bad. Yeah. See, I like that because, you know, I believe, you know, the city of Memphis has deep wrestling ties to back sure. in the day. So I, I, I gave that one props after week one. I think it's I think it's hard. I think, you know, all, all the we've seen them at high schools. Everybody wants to do it. So I'm not going to be that much of an old man about it. But I think you just got to have some you got to have a sense of uh, time and place. And I think Florida State debuting it against Samford uh, was a not not less than ideal. We'll say that. Well, I think I think when you're if you're Florida State coming into that game after after the way things went last week, you were really hoping that you could flip the switch and do do like what I just mentioned. Texas Tech did to Lamar and score and just just pound them out seventy seven to nothing because at least even though it's a theoretically an inferior team, you know you're winning in such a fashion that that it gets the it gets the swag back right and so and so you bring a you bring a swag trigger and this backpack as well to be part of the whole operation and then it just didn't it just didn't go that way it just didn't go that it was close up until the very end and you get out with a win which is good but uh but you know that that was just that could have been it, it i understand the i can understand how things could have been different if they would have you know just come out and just you know smoked them like they were probably hoping to but uh but now in in hindsight it doesn't it doesn't have that same sort of <laughs> gravitas <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I, I just think yes <laughs> I, like it a lot. I think we need to do a ranking we need to do a rankings maybe rob could get on it uh in his rankings column uh which yeah. one's the best which one's the worst so uh I'm sure he'll listen and uh, and weigh in on that. So <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Uh, Hugh Freeze, we talked about this before uh, back in, I think it was in the spring when there were some rumors about him getting another job and the word was the SEC kind of had discouraged it. Uh, I think Alabama most notably was looking at to bring him in as an OC as Nick Saban is, uh, you know, the rehabbing coaches all across the country uh, over the past mm-hmm. few years with Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, et cetera. And uh, Hugh Freeze was speaking at the, uh, where was he? It was in Little Rock, uh, the Little Rock Touchdown Club. Now, for those of you who don't know, these touchdown clubs in cities, they have these get-togethers for their members. They bring in people to speak. Uh, yours truly has even been invited before once to the uh, to the Atlanta Touchdown Club where, uh, you know, I showed up in a suit and tie and I uh, was joined by some uh, recruiting people from our competitors who couldn't be bothered to put on pants. So, uh, <laughs> probably wearing flip flops too. Yeah. Ne- yeah. Nevertheless, we were not invited back. I was like, can you guys please just put on a button up shirt for once in your life? You know, like, do you not own one? Uh, so anyway, uh, freeze, uh, comes out and says that, uh, or he wonders if the climate in America is why he hasn't got another clo- coaching job. Uh, he was asked, of course, you know, if he felt like he was being blackballed uh, by the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, he said, that's an interesting question. Uh, this past year, there's several schools who showed great interest in me for whatever reason, they all ended up the same way. I think that's probably a question that's better asked for people that had discussions in regard to my employment. It's 
probably unfair for me to speculate on that. So he's, he says he's not going to. Is a classic, you know, you know, no disrespect, but uh, <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Right, exactly. I think the climate in America the last year probably affects a lot of administrators' decision making. If they don't take the time to really hear what our story is, they probably can come to make some type of judgment. Maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. So here's the deal. There, well, the reason- wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You you tell me. Uh, what influence the SEC commit? Like, let let's say Saban wanted to hire him as the OC. I mean, you know, the SEC commissioner is not a, a, a on in the in the front office, so to speak, of Alabama. I mean, what like what what would stop them from doing that based on the commissioner? Well. I think he probably catches wind of it and, and gives a call to old Nick Saban and says, "Hey, Nick, come on, man." Uh, yeah, but 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 why? But why does that make a difference though? If Nick really wanted to do it, well, I don't know. You know, these are it's, it's called the Good Old Boy Network for a reason. <laughs> I don't Fair know. Enough. I don't know how it works. But here, here's what I wanted to say though. Ole Miss is still on sanctions related to Hugh Freeze. So how fair would it be to the players who are uneligible for a bowl game to watch him get a job at Alabama and then like, you know, win the national championship or whatever. And you're sitting here being like, I can't even play in a goal bowl game because of stuff this dude and his staff did. Well, I mean, okay. Well, so, so here's, here's what I would say. And I know this is not the scenario. This is completely hypothetical, but here's the deal. So let's say, let's say, a, uh, let, let's say Alabama we will just continue on with the Alabama situation let's say they wanted to hire him bring him on as an oc uh if that was the case they would just uh let's let's have them have some kind of split in the sanctions right because it's related to him they Ole Miss would lose some of the sanctions that uh you know were directly tied to him and Alabama takes on a portion of them based on them hiring him you know but obviously that would that would be a scenario where i could see no no team would want to hire him based on that if that if that ended up being the case i know that's not but i think that would also be fair but you know on the other side of things if i'm Hugh Freeze even if i you know even if i'm responsible for all these horrible things uh you could just point the finger back at the old miss administration and say well listen i might have done this stuff but it was on their watch so the penalties that they're still dealing with are still their fault right so uh so how do you think yeah, uh, listen, just take your medicine and wait another year and you'll get a job and sh- and be quiet, right? That's what I think you should do, personally. I think someone's going to hire him. I don't know if it's going to be in the SEC, but he's a good offensive coordinator. You see what the offense is doing, you know, with all the players he left behind, essentially. I mean, you know, let, let's just, just chill out and keep your mouth shut. And guess what? You'll get a job. That's what I think he should do. I mean, he could go like he could he could go full on Art Bryles and you know g- get a paid vacation in Italy or something like that to coach some some whatever head coach football team that Art Bryles is doing over there now, right? I mean, <laughs> well, Italy. Did you, did you hear that story? <laughs> yeah, I did. But he doesn't need to do all that. He's not untouchable. I mean, he probably could have like a position coach in the NFL if he really wanted to, but he wants to be a college coach. And guess just just wait. Someone will, someone will have an opening, and someone will hire you. I mean, look at Bobby Petrino. He, you know, he did plenty of things, and he's he's got a job, and he's doing fine. So uh, I think you just need to let stuff blow over sometimes. I mean, yeah, I mean he he's not. I, I mean, when he answers questions in that in that sort of fashion, it makes it sound like he's not remorseful for the situation that he's in. You know? Yeah. So it it's uh it's really something. I don't know. Uh, 
I don't. By the way, have you have you did you get the email that we now have access to the uh, Pro Football Focus Advanced Stats? Ooh, yeah, no, I, I didn't have it. And I think we have NFL access too, so you will really dive in on that. Uh, I would check for that. I I've been looking at it. So uh, anyway, just popped into my head as I was uh, scrolling through our sheet here. All right, moving on. Uh, this was a con- boy. What a controversial story this has turned out to be uh, internally, at least. <laughs> as uh, <laughs> Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald says, uh, RPO plays are the purest form of communism. He said this during his press conference. Uh, really, really grabs the headlines. Uh, said he, you know, he doesn't understand how offensive linemen can be downfield. Uh, it used to be when an offensive lineman tripped and fell down, it was a legal man downfield. Now it's just an uncovered lineman, and you can go two point three yards downfield. It's not a penalty, um, but if you go three yards and nobody can see it until after the ball is thrown, so he makes a good point. And I noticed this when we were watching our RPO fest uh, uh, last Thursday <laughs> when you and I were together. <laughs> Uh, and we were watching the opening NFL game between the Eagles and the Falcons, they were breaking down some of the RPO plays. And I was like, you know, the lineman is like four or five yards downfield, which of course uh, is illegal. And we've heard this complaint a lot. I think we've heard it about Oregon's offense under Chip Kelly. We heard it about uh, Auburn's offense uh, several times. And I think there was a little bit of an emphasis on it. The issue is, yeah, you know, obviously when you're run blocking, you're going forward. When you're pass blocking, uh, not so much. And so if if the linemen think it's going to be a run uh, and they're blocking downfield on a pass play, it's it's an illegal play. So he makes a good point. I think, you know, I don't I don't really know how he tied it into communism. Um, right. It, 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 you know, I, I don't get that exactly. Uh, I can't pretend to uh, know about that. <laughs> But uh, well, well let, let, let me ask you a question, Woody. Where, where did you ultimately end up graduating college? Uh, the University of Central Florida. Right. And I went to Florida Gulf Coast University. And uh, Fitz is, a, is a, the highest paid staff member at Northwestern University. So if he says something is what it is, I have to I have to yield to his uh, vast superior knowledge about the matter <laughs> versus my lo- my level of education. So, well, I think he has a complaint. The problem is I just don't see this rule changing just because it's one of the exciting parts of the game, and it, it's kind of like you know when Nick Saban used to complain that it was a player safety issue that people were going too fast and blah blah blah. Well, guess what? He changed his offense, and now they run the hurry up just like everybody else. So. Sorry, Pat. I think you need to get with the program, man. Um, and I don't think they're going to enforce that rule. They did do. They did change a, a few of the other uh, blocking crackback rules, which I think was a player safety issue because I mean those used to be scary plays. Uh, but I, I just don't think we're going to see a change. Obviously, he grabbed headlines with the way he <laughs> said it and comparing it to Con. That, that's pro- that could be the whole reason. That could be the whole. That could be the entire reason he brought he brought that into the matter just because he knew that word was going to draw the attention to what it was that he was saying, which is probably now that I'm saying it out loud, that's probably what exactly what the situation was. Right. It was pretty, it turned out to be pretty effective. Uh, yeah, pretty effective marketing, uh, lo and behold. Right. So, uh, anyway, that that's, that's it for us on that one. We can, we can move on. Uh, now it's time for tweet of the week. Don't stop tweet me. Man, you chicken. Ah, got it. Okay, tweet of the week. Jamar Chase, who was a Rivals 100 wide receiver, scored his first touchdown this past week for LSU. And he tweets, uh, (laughs) I don't wear the wrinkled socks no more, LOL. 
got to get back on my sleeve. <laughs> At which point I got 28 likes. And the only person who responded was a guy asking him to follow back. So do you have, wow. do you have any concept what that could mean, Nick? Wait, read it back one more time. I don't wear the wrinkled socks no more. LOL. Got to get back on my sleeve. <laughs> Is this, could, could this be a rap lyric? I don't know. It, it, uh, it, <laughs> talk about, some, somebody somebody talk should about be listening right now. I'm sure Lackford is like screaming through, you know, into his headset right now telling us what rap lyric it is, but I'm not. It's not for me. One of the things that popped up with lyrics, I don't wear the wrinkled socks anymore. John Nichols. Uh, nope. Nope. Sorry. I, even Google thought it was a song, but was wrong. So <laughs> if you can interpret it, that, that, that's the life we lead where we're trying to interpret. Uh, well, this week, this week we got to watch out. We got to see if he's wearing no socks and long sleeves under his jersey. And then we'll know exactly what he's talking about. Um yeah, exactly. Well, I, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting tweet. And Jamar is full of them as he's a fun follow. So uh, check him out at least, uh, at least until he gets his Twitter account taken away, as we've seen. But I think all these kids should be allowed to tweet. I think it's fun. I think Clemson shuts down theirs. I think Iowa shuts down their players from tweeting all season, and uh, it makes it interesting. We want fun tweets. So I had a uh, I, I saw a tweet the other day uh, very briefly. There's it was it's just a, a video of these two guys uh, in an In-N-Out burger and uh, two girls like at the end of it, clearly it's like at the end of like some night out somewhere in some college town and two girls cut in front of them and uh, they start recording the girls and mosaic out their faces or whatever and the girls cause a scene and whatnot and so the guy's like well hey listen since you cut me I'm gonna buy everybody that's behind me in line their their food here today and then it just ends up being like a like a i mean close to like a three or four minute long video of all these people that are saying thanks and giving you know dapping them up high five smiles galore wonderful music oh no it's only a minute long but but i mean it was a lot of people that they bought in and out for which you know i guess in and out's not super expensive but holy cow i mean with that many people involved and so and so the person that retweeted the video uh does so with the quote saying, imagine being this rich and petty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guess. which uh, we're definitely one of those things. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely that petty. <laughs> you know, the line at in and out is out of control. So I could understand being mad about being cut in that lining. And uh, I would cause a I would cause a ruckus for sure, as I, I've been known to do where I'm trying to remember where the last place I was in line where somebody did a chat and cut might have been at Johnny's. Uh, and I really, th- I really made a scene about it. I was like, that was a chat and cut. Did you see that? Of course, you know, I always often ask people standing next to me <laughs> who are strangers who then look at me like I'm an insane person. Like, why are you talking to me? You lunatic, please look away, you know? Uh, so that happens to me quite a bit. So I can definitely tell you it's been a lot of uh, chat and cuts. Chat and cut. <laughs> All right. Time for uh, rants and recommendations. This one is a uh, interesting one. As I flew out of Houston on uh, the other day, whatever day that was, I don't even know what day it is. Today's Wednesday. Anyway, I flew out in the morning. I'm not a big morning flight person, but Nick, uh, you should know because uh, you do have flown out of Houston before. There is a breakfast restaurant. I think it's called Breakfast Club with a K, which I could give or take because they use K. 
for every other in place of C on every other thing on the menu, like pancakes yeah. with a K. Uh, but guess what? I if what a novel concept I thought a breakfast restaurant at the airport. I mean, a lot of times you'll see some of the other chain restaurants sub in breakfast in the morning, but it's nowhere near the right. same as a breakfast specific. Why don't more airports, Nick, have these breakfast restaurants? I was nice. I got there, you know, a little earlier than I normally do uh, because I made it through security so fast. Sat down, had a nice breakfast, and all these people I know that are always taking early morning flights. I'm sure they would all appreciate being able to get some eggs and bacon, don't you think? No, that's a fantastic point. And and as I've often uh, said to anybody who will uh, talk to me about the Atlanta airport, um, you know, when you're in Terminal C and uh, you go up to that, let's say you've got a morning flight coming out of Atlanta and you're flying out of Terminal C, uh, there's a Chick-fil-A and a Varsity right next to each other. And the line is always four to five times as long of people going with the old standby Chick-fil-A versus what it is at the Varsity. And if you want breakfast at the Atlanta airport, you got to go with Varsity and Terminal C. I swear, it, 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 first of all, they use, they use a real egg on any breakfast sandwich that you get. And, and the, uh, the meat quality is better, I would argue, on the, if you get a sausage uh, sandwich associated with that, real biscuits. Plus, you can get that, uh, that orange dreamsicle uh, frosty if you're, if you're feeling real spicy about it. Um, and, and plus, the line is so much quicker, which is critical uh, in an airport setting when everybody's got a flight to catch. Yeah, but guess what, Nick? They've been doing a lot of construction in Atlanta. We got all types of new food places coming. I saw Shake and Bake. I saw uh, Bobby's Burgers, which I was like, Bob's Burgers? And I was like, maybe they named it that just because they know everyone's going to call it Bob's Burgers, like the TV show. Uh, it's new Dunkin' Donuts. It was a new Dunkin' Donuts that was seemed to be open, had employees behind the counter, had full of donuts, and they were like, nah, we're not open. I was like, like, what time do you open? And it's like 11. They go, no, we're not open today at all. And I go, so you guys are just in your uniforms. You made all the donuts and you're just standing there. And they're like, oh, it's like a practice day. And I was like, well, how about practicing by handing me a coffee and a donut? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, not the most technical uh, technical job, I'm, I'm sure. Right. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're not working on roofs or anything. I've been a big convert, by the way, to Dunkin' Donuts uh, coffee as of late. So mm -hmm. uh, big shout yeah. big shout to them. All types of corporations getting shouts uh, on today's. But I say every airport in America should have a breakfast place that serves breakfast all day. That's my recommendation. If you're in Houston, uh, do that. In terms Wait, of now, so was that, was that at uh, George Washington or Hobby? There were uh, George Bush, yeah. George Bush. George Bush. Yeah, yeah, that was that. <laughs> that was at Bush, excuse me. There's like a Blaze Pizza there. There's a Witch Witch, and there's a, some other place, and then there's a real breakfast restaurant where you can sit down. So um, highly recommended. I'm not sure. I must be in the Delta the Delta wing of uh, the situation. But uh, in terms of complaints, I, got, I, don't, I have one here, which we can kind of talk about. Do you have anything, Nick? No, no. Let it ride. So, you know, I've been noting this, noticing this trend. You and I have been noted dancers, as you know. If a dance floor is sure. calling our name, we've been known to tear it up. But right. I just have noticed this trend of people doing this thing where they think they're cool, where they start going, hey, 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 you know. <laughs> the, bro, the, bro, the bro hey. Right, but it, and it's never people who are good dancers doing it. So, and then it's like, how long does this go on before we stop doing it? You know, 
10 seconds, 20, and then when it happens multiple times per night, I mean, it's exhausting. So my advice would be like, if you're, if you're going out, you know, and I'm not saying that Nick and I are, you know, going to be on the next dancing with the stars or, or anything of that nature, but we, we, you know, we, I, I fancy us to be, uh, above replacement level dancers. We bring, we bring quality to the floor for sure. Right. I mean, let's just say half in, the way in Fort Worth, in Fort Worth, we definitely lured away some dance partners for a period of time uh from two people that showed up with you know their own right just because we're just because we're a good time and we're we're having fun with uh with each other uh moving right. moving and grooving so t- doing the hey 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 thing it's out you guys that was that was particularly brutal when you and me were in chicago uh, see i'm i'm putting it all out here about about <laughs> our nationwide dance tour <laughs> When you and me were in Chicago, what was the name of that place where we were at? Ooh. And they had the had the split. Le- it was the split level bar. Eric Bossy would be able to get re give us the recommendation. Oh and, yeah, and yeah. Re- relatively small dance floor. We had the we had the one girl that was all elbows, spilling drinks and giving concussions. And then we had you know, and then we had this group of brohams walk in, and you know, every song was a hey hey hey, and they were all jumping on each other. It was like they just scored a touchdown in the middle of the dance floor. Dude, that and, was uh, no dancing involved. All right, that was a rough night. If you, it, the, the one girl, I think she put her iPhone in like a wristlet purse and then was swinging her arms oh, around. And, that's right. It was like a brick on a stick, <laughs> a brick on a rope, rather. She clocked oh, me in the head with it, and I thought someone punched me. It, it, she hit yeah. me so hard. So, but we also did see somebody really get punched that night too, which was also great. <laughs> oh, that's right. We did see a fight. That was the sneak. That was the sneaky flank. Flank caused the, caused the diversion. Flank left and sucker punched the guy, which was a real which was a real slick move. It was good. And it was too good. It was a fight that I saw. Because I do not uh, drink. I'm always uh, lucid in this situation. I advise people that we were about to have a fight, and I looked like uh, Nostradamus as it broke out about 30 <laughs> seconds later. So anyway, you know, just have a good time, but let's not do the hey hey hey. Uh, Especially if you're, uh, like I said, it, it's got to be a really certain song to do it. And it, it throws off because then you can't hear the music. And, and you can do it. If you do it, just you, you pick it once per night. Okay. Everybody can do, everybody can make one, you know, one thing per night that makes them look like an idiot and get away with it. If we're doing, if we're three songs deep and we're, and we're still doing it. All right. You know, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad shtick at that point. All right, so yeah, I'm sure our listeners are an avid dance crew. Uh, they'll <laughs> they'll they'll heed our advice for sure. So that that's right. That wraps it up for us. We will be back on Sunday, as I mentioned. It'll be me and uh, uh, Ben from our Auburn site who will be on the ground for that Auburn LSU game. We're trying to pick people who are at uh, the games each week or our uh, local experts. Uh, so you're an expert, um, and Ben. <laughs> Ben, uh, I believe, is a photographer as well as covers recruiting. So he will be on the ground floor. He can give us all types of insight. And uh, we look forward to that as we run through all the top 25 games. We advise you, please leave a review on iTunes. Uh, M. Deuce, of course, uh, provides the music for the show. You can find him on SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Yeah, he told me he listened last week. Actually, had a run-in with Derek Anderson, uh, former Oregon State quarterback, Ooh. as uh, he was at the Oregon State game this weekend and was uh, filling me in on that exchange that they had. Said it was an enjoyable time, and and uh, he liked that we talked about the Beavers on last week's episode and said you were dead on, Nick. He said Nick was dead on. Wait, <laughs> was I? <laughs> That's what he said. Do you remember what you said when you were dead on? Uh, well, I remember. I remember the conversation was about to to schedule big teams or to not schedule big teams, and I I voted for there was no downside in 
and scheduling them, I think is essentially what I said. Oh, he said, I feel like Nick nailed it in regards to the positive aspects of these paid games. So uh, then he said some other things I can't say on the air about uh, uh, some people (laughs) and some things. (laughs) Not you, though, Nick, but very positive. So uh, big shout to M. Deuce and everyone who listens to the show. Please tell a friend. Please leave a review. And we'll be back with a new episode on Sunday morning. 